Amen. Name above all names, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at choices, as Pastor mentioned today. And so if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. And as you're turning there and we're getting ready, I'll be, I'll be moving around to some different scripture. But as you think about choices in life, uh, as we talked to the graduates this week, and they, they have a, surely a lot of choices to make. Uh, Mark, you got a lot of choices to make, right? All right. Uh, but they got different choices they're going to be making. And as Christians, we make choices every day. It doesn't matter the age you are in here. We're all making choices, and some are good choices we make, and uh, some are bad choices we make. And um, God's there to guide us and to direct us. And today, we're going to look at uh, three people that happen to be related. We're going to look at Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. They all made some good choices, but they also made some bad choices. Not about you, but I'm glad I'm not alone, and I'm glad put it, God put it in the Scripture to see that we can come back from our mistakes and still be used by God. I'm excited about that. But the, the point is, if we make good choices based on the Word of God, uh, then the less bad choices we should make, right? That's the good goal. I was sharing in the first service, um, when I was in high school, I was part of an explorer group that was attached to a law enforcement, our sheriff's uh, department in our town, and we went to Phoenix, Arizona for a junior law enforcement academy. And uh, remember all the excitement, we were going to camp, we were excited about that. Until we got there and we figured out they're going to treat us just like the new recruits, right? So that meant push-ups, that meant working out, that meant hard uh, situations. But I was sharing that. We, we were coming in the first day, you're already nervous, everything seems fine. We come in, we're in our groups, we're doing what we're supposed to do. They're telling us where to go, where, to, where we need to be. And all of a sudden, they called our group up front. Now, mind you, I don't know any of the people that are running this camp. So I'm thinking, why are they calling our group up? I don't understand. Why, why would they choose us to come up? So we go up near the front. And now, mind you, it's Phoenix in the summer. It must be 100 and whatever, zillion, 100 zillion degrees. The asphalt is hot. And I remember them saying, we have a problem here. And, you know, when you don't, that's a word you don't want to hear. We have a problem here. Somebody sped onto the campus this morning. I thought, oh, no. Now, we were in a van all together, and our driver, the speed limit there was like, I don't know, it was like 20 miles an hour, and we came in at 25 miles an hour, okay? That was a no-no on a law enforcement academy campground, okay? So they made us do a certain amount of push-ups for every mile we were over the speed limit. I don't know about you, but I didn't make the choice that day. The driver made the choice to go 25 rather than 20, and I remember we all got down. We had to do so many push-ups. We have our hands on that burning asphalt. And I told them in, in high school, I, my arms were like sticks. I was a distance runner. I had nothing to do with upper body strength. It was all lower body strength. And I remember doing one push-up was a struggle, but to do all that many. So you know what happened the next morning? All of us became backseat drivers. We were staring at the thing. And we told the driver, who was a little bit older than us, but we could take him because we were, had more in number. But I said... We all said, if you drive one, any, if we get any push-ups, we are going to kill you. And so we're all looking at the speedometer. We're making sure, go under. Don't even, don't even trust the speedometer. Go under the speed limit. And you know what? The driver made good choices the rest of the week. But lo and behold, we didn't know that they were watching. We didn't know that they were checking to see how fast we were driving on their campus. If we did that here at our school on Carolina, boy, there'd be a lot of people who got pulled over and got tickets, you know. Uh, to try and go 10 miles an hour through our parking lot, you know. But, you know, that was a bad choice on the part of our driver to speed a law enforcement thing. But I just remember doing those, those push-ups, and I still can't do push-ups today very well, uh, but I just remember being so upset by the choice that that person made. I don't know about you, I never liked group punishments. 
You know, it should be the person. They should just, they should have let us watch the driver do push-ups. That would have been entertaining, uh, you know. But we all had to do them. But we're going to look at some choices today. Let's jump right into uh, Moses's good choice. We're going to look at good choices and bad choices for these people. And like I said earlier, God did that and put that in the Bible so we could see they were human beings and that they messed up, but God still used them anyway. So let's look at the first good choice of Moses. The first is that he obeyed his calling. And look at, um, again, Exodus 3, verses 2 through 4. It says, And the angel of the Lord um, appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Well, I want to see the first good choice of Moses is that he paid attention when God called him. He paid attention when God called out to him. Um, I was sharing with them that this week on our sixth grade graduation, Brother Steve Labins gave a message, and he was talking about the boy who brought the lunch that God was able to take and used. Jesus used it to feed the 5, 000, over 5,000 people. And, he, and, and Steve Labin said, this brought up questions for me. Questions like, well, what if the boy hadn't brought his lunch that day like his mom told him to? Well, what if he would have ditched that day and him and his friend just would have went fishing or something or went and took off and just, well, they were supposed to go see Jesus, but they went somewhere else. What if they wouldn't have been willing to give up their lunch? You know, he mentioned, what if the kids would have ate all the lunch and he would have ate it all and there would have been nothing left, you know? But the point is that lad made a good decision. Well, Moses did here too. He's out in the desert. And there's this burning bush, and in verse 3 he says, I'll turn aside and see it. And verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. See, if Moses wouldn't have taken the time to stop and listen to what God had to say, he would have missed it that day. He would have missed it. And so he listened, and it says, God called unto him out of the bush. And notice what else what Moses says. He says, here am I. Here am I. And you know, Moses is anxious to see what God has to say to him. And so that was a good choice by Moses. We'll go a little further in your Bibles to Exodus 14. Exodus 14, verse 21. And we're going to look at another good choice that he made. This is a very familiar story. It's the crossing of the Red Sea where God parts the Red Sea. But um, and Pastor mentioned and Mike mentioned that on this Wednesday, we're going to start back up our growth groups or our Sunday school groups. We're going to do it on Wednesday nights at 7 we're actually, our Sunday school material is going to be in the book of Exodus. So this is a good starting point to just do a, like a highlight out of it. But we'll be, we'll be teaching out of Exodus anyway. It's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, but Exodus 14 and verse um, 21, it says this. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. He made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Wasn't that a great miracle? We all have heard that story before, right? Where God pulls the water aside, he lets them walk through on dry ground. Don't forget it was over a million people. It's just not like a handful of 12 people trying to cross. It's the whole nation of Israel crossing to get away from the armies of Egypt. And God parts the waters. And, you know, Mike talked about last week, uh, memorial stones. He talked about the parting of the Jordan River when it was flooded. You know a lot of critics of the Bible, you know what they say? Oh, there wasn't very much water in there at this time of the year. It's slow. But I, I was saying in the first service, 
would it matter whether it's, you know, Mike said that when the Jordan River was flooded, it's like over a mile wide. We know the Red Sea is a big area of water. But would it have made a difference whether it was an inch of water or 20 feet of water? If God could part the water, no matter how much water there was, and, and make the ground dry immediately, um, you know, what, what would it matter how much water is there anyway, right? It's just a great miracle. But what if, Moses, what, what if Moses wouldn't have had the faith that God could do it? See, we, we have things every day. There, there, there's things God wants to do in our lives, in our families, in our church, but we don't have the faith to make it happen. What did God say in the Bible? If we have the faith as a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. I don't know about you, I've never been able to, maybe I don't have enough faith, I've never moved a physical mountain, but I've sure seen God get me over some mountains in life and some hills and some valleys and all those kind of things. And so the, the, he had to have the faith that happened. And what if he'd have said, it just seems silly for me to stretch forth my arms out here. That, that's silly. What, I've done that before and water's never parted for me before. But you know, Moses obeyed. Jump down to verse 26 and it says this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. So Moses did what God told him to do. Then look at verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. Now look at this. Because of what God did, because Moses obeyed, look what it says here. The people feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Do you get this? Not only God was proving that he was the God Almighty, name above all names, like we just heard the song say, but he proved also that he had chosen Moses to be a leader and that God was with him. So the people not only feared God, but they believed God, and, they, they, and his servant Moses, he feared him too. See, it gave Moses authority to do what he needed to do to lead this many people, and God backed Moses up as authority. So both of those were great. Uh, all this was a great choice by Moses. Let's look at his bad choice, though. You'll, you'll know this, but it's all the way over in Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, and it's verse, it starts in verse 8, but little background information. You probably all have heard the story where uh, Moses struck the rock and water came forth, right? They're out in the desert. They need water. Moses strikes the rock with his rod and water comes out for the people to drink. Uh, amazing that water would come out of a rock, but that's what God chose to use to prove it was of him. Now, that was the first time he did it. The count we're about to look at is the second time that he's going to ask for water to come out of the rock. Now, here's the deal. In the first one, God told him to strike the, wa- the rock with uh, his rod and water would come out. In this one, if you watch very carefully as we read this biblical account, God tells him to speak, not to strike with his rock. He tells Moses to speak, not to strike with the, with the rod. Now, when you think about that, don't you th- are instructions important? Definitely, right? Um, I used to have, one of my first jobs was to build things. And I know the first time I built a bicycle, it took me all day to do one bicycle. And the, and the boss was not very happy. I was proud. I was like, oh, man, I got this bike together. It's rolling. Nothing's falling off. But, you know, he's like, man, you should have built like five or six bikes by now. But, you know, as I built them, I realized the instructions are important. If you put the wrong thing on at the wrong time, you've got to take it off, put it back on. Furniture was that way. We had that kind of that knockdown furniture like you buy at Walmart, you know. And um, I remember a couple times I'd be building it, 
and the shelf was upside down or the finished side was facing this way and you needed it to face this way, you probably all had that experience. Extra parts, what do these go to? Not enough parts. And then they give you that picture in the instruction that shows what it looks like and you're going, I have 10 of these, they don't look like anything in here. I don't know what this is. But you know, you try to, but instructions are important. And when it comes to God's instructions, even more important, you hold God's instructions in your lap or on your phone or on your tablet. You have God's instructions with you, right? And so as we look at that, Moses and Aaron, they're not going to follow the directions correctly. Look at Numbers chapter 20 and verse 8. It says, Take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock. Notice that? He He says, take the rod, but he says, Speak unto the rock. And then he says, Before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Now, up to that point, everything's on track. Moses is following the instructions. Everything's going well, but look at the next verse. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. What a great way to start a speech, right? Hey, you rebels. God didn't tell them to give a speech. God told them just to speak to the rock. It was going to bring forth water. But Moses decided, you know what? These people have been complaining a lot. They've been giving me a hard time. I'm going to speak to them. So he says, he says, Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, uh-oh, what did he do? He smote the rock. What did God say to do? Speak to the rock. So he smote, he, after he chides these guys, he smotes the rock with his rod. And it says, the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. So even though Moses did it wrong, God allowed the people to have the water that they so desperately needed. And notice it mentions their beasts also. Their animals needed the water too. They're out in the middle of the desert. If you've ever been out here in the desert and you've been stuck running out of water, that's not good. You're going to get dehydrated. You're going to collapse. And we know the body can only live without water for about three days. We can live without food much longer. But we need water to survive, don't we? And it says here, they drank and it came out abundantly. But look at verse 12. But the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given unto them. Do you get this? Their action, Moses and Aaron's action, had a consequence. What was the consequence? God was going to deliver, had already delivered them from the Egyptians, has them wandering in the desert, but they're going to get the promised land. But God says to Moses and Aaron, because you did not sanctify me in front of the people. In other words, you didn't do it my way. You didn't listen to the instructions. You didn't give me the honor that was due me. He says, you will not bring the congregation to the land which I have given them. In other words, you two don't get to go to the promised land. See, before this, they were on track to go to the promised land. But God says, because you disobeyed me, that's what's going to happen. And verse 13 says, this is the water of Mirabah. Mirabah means contention. And it says, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, but it says he was sanctified in them. You know why the Lord was sanctified in them? Sanctified is a fancy word that means set apart for a holy purpose. You know why God was sanctified to them? Because he still provided the water and did the miracle anyway. See, they saw that God did it, even though their leaders didn't obey. God still did it, and God still got the glory for it. The glory is still here in the Bible for all of us to read today. God still was sanctified. But you know what? Our choices, we're talking about good and bad choices. They have consequences, don't they? 
I bet Moses and Aaron, as much as they got to be with these people and wander out in the desert all that time, now they're not going to get they're not going to get to see the physical reward of it. They don't get to see the physical reward of the promised land that the, the land that the spies said flowed with milk and honey, all that kind of stuff. They're not going to get to see that. And so uh, we see that Moses made a bad choice and Aaron along with him. We're going to talk about Aaron next. But you think about Moses. He did a great job serving God. In fact, when you think of Moses, you probably don't necessarily think of this particular incident. You probably think of the successes he had. But Moses had some other failures. He killed an Egyptian. He was a murderer. He killed an Egyptian that was torturing one of his people. See, God, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I know God can use a murderer. God can use somebody that disobeys. See, Moses, when I think of Moses, I think, what a great servant of God. That's what I think of. But you know what? He was just like you and me. He had choices to make, the good and the bad. Let's look at another person. Let's look at his brother Aaron. Aaron made some good choices. He also made some bad choices. But let's look at his good choices first. Uh, if you're in your Bible, so you could still go back to Exodus chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen as well. But Exodus chapter 4. And uh, we'll look in there again and starting in verse 27. All right, Exodus 4, verse 27. It says, And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and he met him in the mount of God and kissed him. That was the greeting of the day, was to kiss on the cheek. Verse 28 says, And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him, and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel, And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their afflictions, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Do you see this? In verse 30 it says, Aaron spake what? Everything he wanted to tell the people? He spoke what he thought would be a good idea? No, notice what it says there in the verse. Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses. So Aaron told what God said, not what he believed. He said, I'm telling you what God said, not what he believed. And look what it said. Because of that, it says, and he did signs in the sight of the people. And the people, in verse 31, it says, believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he looked upon their affliction, look what happened. They bowed their heads and worshiped. They're not worshiping Aaron. They're not worshiping Moses. They're worshiping God who sent Moses and Aaron. But see, the people had to believe. See, you and I, Our pastor gets up here and preaches out of the word of God, and anybody else that gets up here and preaches, preaches out of the word of God. You have God's word and authority right here in your lap. But these people had to trust the prophets and the the words of the people, godly people that were being spoken to by God, Moses out of the burning bush, and Moses up on the mount, and Aaron, of course, involved in some of that. But these people had to know that God truly put the seal of approval on them. And this shows that he did because, um, again, Aaron was able to do signs in the sight of the people. Not only did he, not only did he uh, do that, but he obeyed God's call in his life. Look, at, look a little bit further in Exodus 6, verse 29. Exodus 6, starting in verse 29. It says, That the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak thou unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say unto thee. Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? The Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, 
And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. So what I see here, you guys kind of know the story. When God called Moses to use him, you know what Moses said? I'm a terrible speaker. I'm a terrible speaker. And God said, okay, that's great. You're not off the hook. I got your brother Aaron. He could speak well for you. See, you get that? God, God doesn't want our excuses. He wants us to say, I have faith that if God calls me to do it, I'll do it. Now, I'm definitely not one of the greatest speakers of all time, but I definitely remember the first time I had to get up in front of people and, and, and give a message. Um, I feel bad for the people that were in that message, and 20 years from now, I'll probably feel bad for the, you in this message. But, you know, I remember just thinking, okay, God's told me to do it. The pastor's asked me to do it. I'm just going to do it and let God have the rest. And you know what I found out? When you get up here and speak, as long as you stay in the word of God, you're going to do all right. Because you're speaking God's words, not your words. And that's the important thing. And so Aaron does just that. And it says that, God, you know, think about it. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. And Moses is probably saying, how am I going to talk to Pharaoh? And, and God tells him in verse 1, I've made thee a God to Pharaoh. In other words, God, Pharaoh loves you like his own son. And Aaron, your brother, will be the prophet. Who's the hardest people to tell about God? Your family and your close friends. Why? They know everything about you. Moses is afraid to talk to Pharaoh, and God says, don't worry, I got you. Aaron's going to do it for you. And then look at, um, so, he, so he obeyed God, he obeyed his call. Then look at Exodus 24.1. I'm just going to read these right off the screen. Exodus 24.1 says, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship you afar off. Now in this verse, there's 74 people mentioned. There's four by name and 70 just mentioned that they're elders. But you know what? God's establishing the authority of Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and all these elders. And so God does that, and he calls them out. Then in verse 9 of the same chapter, it says this. They went up, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and there were under his feet, as it were, paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven and his clearness. Wouldn't you like to have seen God that day? Read verse 10 again. Don't just gloss over it. They saw the God of Israel under God's feet. There were a paved work as a sapphire stone, and it were the body of heaven in his clearness. Wouldn't that have been awesome to see that? These, these 74 people got to see this. Look at the next verse. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me in the mount. Be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us, till we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. Do you see this? God gave Moses the authority, right? Moses is going to speak privately with God where he's going to get the Ten Commandments, right? He tells them to wait here, and he says, he says, Aaron's in charge while I'm gone. You have Aaron and her. He says, if you have any matters, let him come to them. So the authority is established by God. Moses reiterates that authority and says, I'm going away from you for a little bit. But Aaron's going to take over that authority. So if you have any problems, bring it up with Aaron. And then in, the same, in, in Exodus still, but in 29.44, Exodus 29.44, it says this, 
I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me where? In the priest's office. So the priesthood is established through Aaron. And so God says here, I'll sanctify Aaron and his sons. They're going to minister in the priest's office. So Aaron's given a very important job to do. All this great things. Well, we're going to look at a bad choice, unfortunately, of Aaron. You probably know what it is. The golden calf. How many remember the story of the golden calf? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know, we, we, we've heard it, right? But look at Exodus. It's found in Exodus 32. Exodus 32. And it's actually some humor in this story. It's not a good thing that they do, but there's some humor in here. In uh, Exodus 32, verses 1 through 8, it says this. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that thou brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. Moses has barely been gone. It's his first trip away from them. And they, these people say, Yeah, we don't know what happened to Moses. Let's do something else. Remember what Moses had told them? You need something, go to Aaron. So they go to Aaron. And they say, Hey, make us some gods. Notice little g there. Make us gods. First of all, it's plural and it's lowercase g. Whenever you see that in the Bible, you're talking about false gods. The one true God is capital G in our English Bible, right? But he says, make us gods because we don't know what's going to happen. So verse 2, does Aaron have to comply with the people? No. But what does he say? Aaron, or what does he do? Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people break off their golden earrings which were in their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. He received them at their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool, and after he had made it a molten calf, and they said, These be thy gods. Notice still, little g and plural. O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. They rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat, to drink, but then look what it says. They rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. See, Moses is up there having a private conversation with God, and God says to him, uh-oh, your people. You know, they're God's people, but God says, Moses, your people are messing up. They're down there. He says, you better get down there now. Now, I don't know how fast Moses went up the mountain to see God, but I imagine he came down pretty quickly to see what was going on. And he says, they have corrupted themselves. And guess what? They brought that to Aaron, and Aaron went along with it. And uh, Aaron was second in charge there. Verse 8 says, They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought, a, uh, have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And so when you, when you think about this story, and you see that they've made a, a poor choice, obviously, but Aaron went along with it, didn't he? Aaron did this, and you know what? This could happen in our Christian walk. We're not going to go out and make a golden calf, most likely. First of all, I'm not talented enough to make a golden calf. But, you know, we're not going to do that, but isn't it easy to just get away from God sometimes? We skip a day of prayer. We skip a day of devotions. We get away from what God has for us, and pretty soon we're on a road and we're going, how did I get here? I was walking closely with God. All of a sudden, I feel far away from God. The Bible says, Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to us. See, but sometimes we'll just go along, we made a few wrong choices, and all of a sudden we go, 
how did I get here? Now, you're still a Christian, you're still a believer, but you're thinking, how did I do this? And you've got to be thinking, Moses is thinking, what is going on? They made a golden calf. I was, only go- I was going to get instruction from God, and they're making this golden calf. So let's see this when he confronts Aaron about it. Jump to verse 19, guys, on the video there. It says, on the message, it says, It came to pass, as soon as he came nigh to camp, that would be Moses, that he saw the calf, the dancing, and look what happens. Moses' anger waxed hot. He cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. God had given him these tables with, the, with his commandments on them, and, and, and he runs down the camp. He sees this is what's going on, and it says he cast them out of his hands and he break them. Why? His anger's hot against the people. It's hot against Aaron because they, they should obviously know this is, like, this is like Christianity 101. It's in the, t- Right? No idols, right? No anything like that. We only worship God. We, that's what we're here for today. Worship God in truth and spirit. That's what the Bible commands us to do. But look at, uh, look at the confrontation here. In um, verse 19, it says this. And verse, well, verse 19, we, we said that. Sorry, verse 20. He took the calf, which they had made, and he burned it in the fire. He grinds it up into powder, and he strawed it upon the water and made the children drink of it. You get what he did here? He takes this calf, he melts it back down immediately, and then he says, he grinds it into a powder, he puts it in their drink, and he says, here, here's your God, drink it. You know what? Moses didn't, didn't waste any time beating around the bush, did he? He went straight through the bush, okay? He just like, boom, you people messed up. And you know what? He didn't, notice that he does that before he's going to talk to Aaron about it. He confronts the people first. He says, we've got to get rid of this idol before we do anything else. And he grinds it up into powder. So then he says in the next verse, Moses said unto Aaron, what did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin unto them? See, he gives kind of Aaron a way out. He says, Aaron, I know you. You're my brother. We're in this calling together. There's no way you would have just made him a golden calf. So Aaron kind of takes the opportunity here. Look what he says here. Aaron said, let not thy anger of my Lord wax hot. In other words, I know you're mad at me, Moses. Don't get mad at me. He says, you know us, the people. You know how they are. Look, it says they're, they're set on mischief. You know how these people are. So Aaron immediately, we saw this in, in Genesis, in the very first sin in the Bible where we have Adam and Eve. What happens? Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent, right? That's just a pattern of people to blame it on somebody else. When kids get in trouble here at our school, you know what the first thing they say was? They don't say why they did what was wrong or that they did it wrong. They say, oh, but they were doing it to me. They're, they're going to take somebody down with them, right? And so Aaron just says, the people, they're full of mischief. And look what it says. It says, for they said unto me, make us gods, which shall go before us. And for, as, for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not what has become of him. And I said unto them, whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it in the fire. Now look at this. Aaron says, I cast it in the fire, and there came out this calf. In other words, he threw some gold in the fire, and miraculously a calf hopped out, a golden calf. Nobody's buying Aaron's story, okay? He obviously had to shape it and form it and all those kind of things, but Aaron's trying to, you ever have your child doesn't tell you the complete truth? They'll tell you the part that won't get them in trouble, but they don't tell you the whole story. It's kind of what Aaron's doing here. He's like, yeah, you know the people. They talked me into it. All I did, I asked for their golden stuff, and I threw it in the fire, but hey, this calf just pops out of there. Well, we all know that's, not, that, that, that's impossible, right? And so Aaron's just trying to blame it on the, on, on the people. It was a bad choice by Aaron. But you know what? 
We've looked at Moses' good choices and bad choices. We've looked at Aaron's good choices and bad choices. Do you realize God still used them after that? It was a poor choice. They made a mistake. They made a human error. But God still loved them and still used them anyway. Isn't that good to know? See, I don't, I don't care where, what your background is. Moses was a murderer. I mentioned that earlier. Aaron made a golden calf and idol worshiped. I don't care what your background is. God can still use you. You, you ever been like me? You're sitting, you're sitting enjoying yourself, minding your own business, and all of a sudden, from your past, a memory comes up, and it says, and you hear this voice saying, hey, why'd you do this when you were in 10th grade? Why'd you do this when you were in your 20s? Why'd you do this last week? Why'd you do this? That's not God bringing that up. God says, I forgive your sin as far as the east is from the west. That's Satan bringing that up. Why? To try to convince you he's already lost the battle for your soul because you're a born-again Christian. You're trying to live for God. He's already lost the battle for your soul. So you know what his next best thing is? To get you and I to think that we're worthless and we can't do anything for God. Well, the truth is, we are nothing without God, but the truth is, with God, we can do anything possible. And we saw that through Moses and Aaron. So you can do it, regardless of what's in your past, regardless of what happened yesterday, regardless of what happened this morning when you woke up, regardless, God can still use you. God, you know, we heard it said God's the God of second chances and third chances and fourth. He'll use us if we'll just get back to him and get right with him. He'll do it. Let's look at the last person in this, well, not the last person in this family, but the last person we're looking at today. Remember, Moses and Aaron are brothers. We've looked at them. Let's look at their sister, Miriam. We encounter Miriam, I believe, for the first time in Exodus chapter 2. And that, you guys kind of know the backstory to that. The babies are going to be killed there in, um, in this area. And so the mom, Moses' mom, puts him in a basket to float him down the water to save him, to try to give him a chance of redemption. And Miriam, his sister, kind of tags along and, and, and goes along the shore to see where the baby's going to end up. So let's jump right into that here in Exodus 2, verse 4. It says, His sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Again, Moses in the basket as a baby. That tells us that she's obviously older than him, right? <laughs> and it says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. When she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. She had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Now remember, Pharaoh had given the order for the Hebrew children to be killed. And, and, and here is... Um, you know, here's her finding it and having compassion and saying she realizes it's one of the Hebrew children. Then look at the next verse. It says, Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter. Remember, Miriam had followed along here. It says, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Isn't that neat? Miriam, who's Moses' sister, follows the basket down to make sure the baby's going to be okay. Pharaoh's family finds it. And um, she goes, hey, I happen to know somebody that could nurse the baby. And what does she do? Unbeknownst to Pharaoh's family, she runs back and gets the mom of the baby to nurse the baby. Isn't that wonderful how God works? Took care of Moses like that. And, and, and she goes, so she calls the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, uh, let's go jump to the next verse there, guys. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away and nurse it for me. I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. So not only did the mom get to nurse the baby, she got paid to nurse the baby. Pretty awesome, huh? God, God works that out. Not only is she nursing her own baby, she gets paid for it. Uh, so uh, new moms, I guess she could get that idea too. Maybe you need, need some salary there for that. <laughs> but it says, I will get wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And look what it says. The child grew 
And she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. So see, because of really Moses' mom's faithfulness and then Miriam's faithfulness, we see Miriam in a really good light. She cares for her younger brother. You know, I, I grew up, I was the youngest. I had three sisters and a brother. And I got to confess, many times when I was growing up, I was not concerned about the well-being of any of my sisters or brother who daily inflicted torture on me, a perfectly innocent child. But uh, we all know that's not true either. But, you know, here's Miriam watching out for her family and doing what God's urged her to do through the Holy Spirit. And, um, and just exciting about that. Then later we see her become a prophetess and one of the leaders of the congregation. Uh, look, jump forward to Exodus 15, 20, and 21. It says, And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with her with timbrels and with dances. Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And of course, it's talking about exactly what we talked about first thing, which was about the Red Sea when God parted the water, allowed the Israelites to go through on dry ground, and then as soon as the Egyptians all got in there, God closed up the water on them and killed the army. And so they're singing about God giving them the glory for this choice. And, um, and it says um, in verse uh, 21, well, 20, it says, uh, let's go back one verse there. It says, Miriam, the prophetess, it, it, in those days there were prophets and prophetesses. And it says, the sister of Aaron took a timbrel in her hand. So not only did she, was she a prophetess, she was able to lead in worship. So all these choices so far that we look at Miriam are good choices. Let's look at her bad choice. And actually, Aaron's involved in this one too. Um, it's all the way found in Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12, and starting in verse 1. And just in that chapter, Numbers chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And verse 2 says, And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now I want to just set this up just a little bit. Miriam and Aaron do not like the fact that Moses were, married this Ethiopian woman really outside of their, their culture and so forth. And they're not, they're not happy about it, and they make it very clear they stand against it, who he had married. Now, God's obviously for it, and we're going to see that as we go on in this passage, that Moses did indeed marry the right woman. It doesn't matter whether Miriam and Aaron disagreed with it or not. And in verse 2, they get so indignant against Moses that they say, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? In other words, hey, you're a prophet, but I'm a prophetess too. He spoke through Aaron. He's used Aaron as your mouthpiece. He says he spoke through us too. And, but, look, but right after they say that, look what it says. The Lord heard it. The Lord's going to hear the way they're speaking to, to, the, to the chosen leader. Now, now get no, make no mistakes here. Moses is the chosen leader of the people of Israel right now. Okay? Now, Aaron's important. He's been, his family's been in charge of the priesthood for, to offer sacrifices for sin until such time that Christ would come and pay once for all for all of our sin. And, and make no mistake that Miriam is a prophetess also and all those things, but make it very clear that God established an order of authority. He said, I'm first, God is first. Moses is in charge, and then those other two were with him. So if you look at verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. You know what that says? 
At the time Moses was alive, he was the meekest man alive. Who is our greatest example of meekness in the Bible? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came in, in meekness and, and, and lowly and humbled himself in the form of a servant. So right away, the Bible points out, it says, it points out that Moses was very meek. And then in verse 4, it says this, The Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, you three, out of the t- under the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. So God's schooling these three. They're, they're getting taken to the shed, if you want to say. But he pulls them out and he says, Hey, enough of this family argument. God's going to tell them exactly like it is. It says the three came out. Then the next verse says, The Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. Now God starts with that. You're going to pay attention, aren't you? God says, hear now my words. That's like when you were in trouble as a kid. Mom or dad got in front of you and said, now listen to me. <laughs> you know that, whoa, okay, I've crossed the line here. Mom and dad are going to do, do that. It says, hear my words. If there be a prophet among you. Notice he doesn't say there is a prophet among you. He says, if there be a prophet among you. There's only three people in the audience, right? It's Aaron, it's Moses, it's Miriam. And he says, if there's a prophet among the three of you. Now, we already know Moses was a prophet. We already know Miriam's a prophetess. And we already know Aaron's a priest. But he says, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. You know what he says? I'll speak to who I want to speak to and I'll have to who speaks for me. I'll, I'll choose that, not you three. And then he says, my servant Moses is not so. Look what he says here about Moses, who is faithful in all mine house. With him... Will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall behold. Wherefore then, where are you not afraid to speak against my service Moses? In other words, he lets them know, hey, Miriam, hey, Aaron, I'm not happy the way you're speaking against Moses just because you marry this Ethiopian woman. And then he says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Look what happens. Miriam became leprous, white as snow. She, leprosy turns your skin white. Miriam was perfectly healthy. And as a consequence of her sin, God gave her leprosy. Why? To show the people that Moses was right. And, and so he says, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. I don't have, I don't, uh, well, actually, I do know why. I do know why he chose not to make Aaron leprous, and that's because Aaron was the priesthood. And the priests were the ones that declared whether people were clean or unclean, especially when it came to leprosy. And so that's the reason. But Aaron is already up, is obviously upset by his sister who immediately had this leprosy. And then it says, And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein, look what he says here, we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Do you know that Miriam and Aaron just did the wisest thing they could do. God called them out on their sin, and they confessed to it and, 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 and got it right with God right away. He says, I beseech thee or beg thee, lay not the sin upon us. What he's saying, take away the leprosy from my sister. He says, we have done foolishly. He's acknowledging that they've done that. It says, we have sinned. They're acknowledging before God that they sinned. And you know what? That's God, what, what God wants from you and I when he messed up. He's already died for us on Calvary at the cross. He's already died for our sin. He's already paid our sin debt. He's already forgiven us of it. But when we mess up, he says, just confess it. 
Get it right with God, and then you can get it right with the other people that you've offended or sinned against. And then he says, uh, let her not be as one dead, like again, the leprosy would cause death, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And even Moses, it says, Moses cried unto uh, um, of the Lord, saying, heal her now, God, I, I beseech thee. The Lord said unto Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days. After that, let her be received in again. You know what she was letting them all three know? She's going to have leprosy for seven days. Let her be cast off away from all the people because that's what you had to do. When you had leprosy, they were unclean, so they pushed them outside of the camp. But he's, God's telling him right here that he's going to heal them in seven days because she's going to be allowed back in the camp. If she had leprosy, she's not going to be allowed back in the camp. And then it says, uh, Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days. The people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. Notice they were traveling, right? They were wandering in the desert, right? It says here, the camp didn't move. It says, afterward, the people removed from Hezareth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. So what do we see? Miriam's restored. And by the way, all these people we've read about, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, and we've even read about some others today, God went on to use them in mighty ways. He didn't stop using them because they messed up. You know why? He, he would have had to if they would have kept down that path, but you know what? They realized and admitted they had sinned. They would realized they had done wrong, and they confessed it before God. And God honored that and put them back in their, form, in their area of leadership. Good choices and bad choices. Graduation week, talking about it. But you don't have to be a graduate. You're making good choices and bad choices every day, you and I both. And we've got to learn to make better choices based on the word of God and not by how we feel, but by how God says about it. What does he think about it? You know, and, and, and then go that route. But the biggest choice you ever make, and I know that might, might apply to some in here, it might not. Might might apply to some of you watching online, it might not is to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. Romans 10, through 10 13 says, For whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, you may have made that choice, you may not have. Maybe you're trusting on baptism for your salvation. Maybe you're trusting the fact that you're sitting in church here today to, to make it think you're going to go to heaven. Maybe you're trusting in Mountain Avenue Baptist Church to get you to heaven. Guess what? None of those things can get you to heaven. Only one can through Jesus Christ. So before you can make better good choices, you've you got to have the, the one that, that gives you the good choices to, or the good wisdom to do that, right? And that's our God. That's Jesus. Uh, again, we have the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. We have all that. But in order to get saved, you just have to simply put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and trust and admit like they did, I'm a sinner, I need you, God. I need a Savior. Now, if you've done that, maybe you can contemplate on the choices we've made recently. Whether, you know, maybe one day you're walking with your, you know, you're doing your devotions, you're, you're praying, you're doing all those things, and all of a sudden you stop doing them for a couple days. That's okay. Get back in it. When I forget to do my devotions on a day, you know what I do? The next day I just get back in it and read my devotions. I'm not going to say, well, God, I guess I could never have devotions or pray with you again. I forgot yesterday. No, we get back in there. We do it. And one of the things I told the early crowd, and I'll be done, is when you're going through your day and God convicts you of something you did wrong, stop what you're doing in that day and just tell God, you're right, God. Thank you for showing me I did that wrong. I'm so sorry I did that. God, help me to make better choices. One of my life verses is James 1.5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you. 
I thank you that with Moses, Aaron, and Miriam in the Bible, I thank you that you showed us there are times when they made good choices and the times when they made bad choices. You've showed us that there's consequence for sin, but the best news is there's a remedy sin for that sin. You died on the cross at Calvary. The remedy for sin is that we accept you as Savior, and then after we've accepted you as Savior, the remedy is just to confess and get it right and then get it right with the person we've offended. Lord, we can do that. Help us to make good choices, Lord. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand with me, we're going to have an invitation. And whether you take care of things at your seat or take care of things with God up here at the altar, but if, there, if, if there's for any reason you need to come down, we'll be here to help you, tell you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven based out of the Word of God. First uh, John 5.13 says you can know you have eternal life. And then... If you've already got that taken care of, but you've got other, you know, maybe, maybe you want to join the church. Maybe you know you need to get baptized. You haven't followed the Lord in baptism. Again, baptism doesn't save you, but it is commanded among believers to get baptized. Maybe you need to join a church. A local, the local New Testament church is where we serve God, where we worship God together. We're a church family. Maybe you want to join, but whatever God's speaking to you today, just deal with that as, as Laura plays on the piano for us for just a little bit. need to come and receive Christ, come. Maybe God's leading you to join the church. As Brother Theo said, get baptized. You come as he directs you. Let's sing that first verse, Just As I Am, together. Let's sing it from our hearts. Just as I Will you come? I'll 